Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by former Daytona 500 winner Jeff Bodine is going to stop by and join us. We'll look back at Jeff's career, catch up with him and what he's doing now when he stops by. Coming up in just a little while for right now here on Let's Go Racing. David Starr. As always, with us here on another week of the show, David, how we doing, man? You just got back from that great Chiefs-Browns game. I'm not going to hold it against you that Patrick Mahomes got hurt at the one game you were at, David. Well, man, it was pretty awesome. A good friend of mine, uh, uh, Stan Ross and uh, his brother, Randy Ross, invited me up to to go to the game and, uh, you know, Knowing that I'm a big Dallas Cowboy fan, you know, I, they, they probably wouldn't have let me in the stadium if they knew that. But, man, what an awesome game it was. And uh, it was an unbelievable game. And, uh, you know, uh, the Browns have nothing to be ashamed of. They got beat by the Super Bowl champs. But uh, but it was a great game. And, and uh, you know, it was kind of interesting to watch Patrick McHolmes get uh, get hurt. But it uh, looks like he's going to be okay. He's going to return next week. So, uh, man, what a great time it was in Kansas. And, uh heck- of the game, you know, and uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. That game was. Uh, you you, you should have taken me with you, David, but that's all right. You know, uh, <laughs> I enjoyed watching my couch. Dominic Oregon from the RacingExperts.com is here. Dominic, how we doing this week, man? Hey, everybody. Yeah, doing good. Like you, Tyler, watched that game from the couch this Sunday. That's quite a nail biter, the Browns and the Chiefs game. But I'm happy my Packers won this weekend. So they're playing Tom Brady and <laughs> company this weekend for the NFC Championship game. But yeah, we're just really happy to be here. Eight episodes in, this thing just keeps clicking off. The miles and miles are going faster and faster. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, Dominic, our guest today, you know him as well as anybody here. So I want you to introduce Jeff Bodine to the listeners and tell us a little bit about his background story. Sure. So Jeff, well, I'll let Jeff tell a little about who he is, but he is somebody I have known, I would say about a good 10, 11 years now. We, we were doing a podcast years ago and he'd come on as one of our guests and We've done some driver analyst work with them with the RacingExperts.com. We're working on a really cool project together. So really happy. Jeff's become very much like like a part of my family, a very personal friend. Jeff, we appreciate you taking the time to come here on Let's Go Racing with David Starr this week. Well, I mean, yeah, I always love the chance to chat with race fans. And uh, they all have all these great questions. And any question is great, so don't be afraid to ask anything. But uh, – uh, personal or with uh, one of the most uh, asked questions about the late Dale Earnhardt and I, all the friction we had when we were racing together. But there's so many other things, you know. I build pop sets and I'm involved in charities. And, uh, so a lot to ask. So come on, folks, just ask some questions. Glad to well, answer. Well, man, Jeff, what a, what an honor it is, you know. I mean, as as a as a a kid growing up wanting to be a NASCAR driver and just glued to ESPN, just watching NASCAR ever since I can remember, man, it was, uh, it was always that Jeff Bo guy, Jeff Bodine guy up there in the lead, beating the bang with that number three car, you know, and, uh, but man, as I, uh, got older and got involved in the sport and made it to NASCAR, you learned some of the great stories and seeing you, you know, seeing you and your brothers and racing against you guys, but man, what a, what an honor it is, and man, what a career you had, you know, and I remember watching you, uh, I was actually at the race when you won the 1986 Daytona 500, and just, uh, you know, so yeah, many was <laughs> yeah, you were, <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's pretty awesome, and, uh, 
man, just so much, you know, so much history to you. And it's pretty cool to have you on our podcast. And thank you for joining us. Well, yeah, it's my pleasure. I love telling stories and telling about uh, my career. Dom and I and another fellow were kind of trying to write a book. It'd be the title would be Jeff Bo- Daytona 500 champion Jeff Bodine tells the rest of the story because people, race fans, don't know the rest of the story. What's going on in the back back scenes and in the garage area? And uh, you know, I'm not going to name names. I don't. I'm not out to hurt anybody or run anyone over with a bus, but. I just want to tell some of the things that made some of these drivers millionaires and champions and how <laughs> it happened. Uh, I guess Darrell Waltrip just did something on, on a TV show about, he told a lot of things that he and junior did to get wow. advantage over people. I was kind of surprised about that because, you know, he, he always told everybody it was just him. It wasn't nothing. To do with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Jobs. <laughs> but yeah, I started racing when I was five years old. I grew up on a farm, and my my grandfather and father built a racetrack when I was a year old. Father built me a little, little race when I was five, and so I've grown up in racing. Had uncles at the race, so uh, when I wasn't mowing the grass or picking the trash up, I was hanging out with them, learning about racing, and uh, and they were really good at it. I had one uncle, really good driver on dirt. I started on dirt. I loved dirt racing, and. Uh, you know, in high school, I played football. I wrestled. I love wrestling. You, I don't know what you did in high school. What you do, Dave? Man, I, I you know, I was a baseball Besides player. Besides the girls. Besides <laughs> the girls. <laughs> no, man, we, we we did it all, man. We we uh we played baseball, ran track. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, was on the high school baseball team, ran track. Uh, played a little tennis, but man, just uh, played football up until I was a junior in high school. But those guys were getting bigger, and I stayed kind of small, so I. Hey, that real quick, my, but, uh, my, my senior year in football, we had a perfect season. Hey, go Wolverines. We lost every game. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's we awesome. Small school and, you know, the, the kids on the farms, they had to, they couldn't play because they're big and strong, but they had to work on the farm. So we were, I was a linebacker. Unbelievable. 130 man. pounder. <laughs> but wow. I was mean, I was mean. Yeah, you. But I love wrestling because that's one on one with the same size uh, opponent. But uh, I went to college, studied mechanical engineering, went six years in the National Guard. So I've been very blessed and raced all through that. I was allowed to keep racing through all that, and uh, uh, so I was just very blessed. And the Lord just kept leading me to do things, and uh, here I am, retired old race driver. I don't know about all that. So, so you know, back when, uh, so you were born into it. You and your one-year-old, it was your dad and your uncle that, that had the, that bought a racetrack or built a racetrack. And was it a dirt track or an asphalt track? They took a cornfield. The local racers came to my father and grand, grandfather, both named Eli, senior and okay. junior. Okay. So, hey, build us a racetrack. We need a racetrack in this area. So they dug a cornfield up, made a quarter-mile dirt. Later on, we expanded to a third-mile dirt. And now it's still operating as a half mile asphalt. Is your family still involved? No, no, that's my parents are gone. And, but they, they sold the track. When I moved to new England to race modifieds, they followed me out there. So they just kept following me around. And, uh, when I moved to North Carolina to race cup, they followed me down. I, you know, I, of course I helped them. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, they used to sell my souvenirs until they got where they couldn't. 
Right. After when I won the Daytona 586, they were down at the Kmart parking lot down the street from the racetrack selling souvenirs. <laughs> I went down there after the race. I, I saw some fans, and man, they were surprised. That was what you did after winning the Daytona 500 back then. Now they send you all over the country, get on TV and all these big sponsorships. And the, yeah, I went to the Kmart parking lot. I can't, I can't imagine being in the Kmart. Can you imagine coming out of Kmart? You know, going in there shopping, and you walk out of Kmart with your with your with your sack or your bags of whatever you bought there, and Jeff Bodine's in the parking lot signing autographs. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's just won the five hundred. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So how how old were you, Jeff, when you uh, when they put you in your first car? I mean, was it a dirt car? What was it? And uh, you know, man, I'm glad you asked this. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> well, the track was dirt right up until. Uh, uh, we paved it and made a larger, we made a third mile asphalt. Now it's a half mile. Okay. But we did that. We did that. And, uh, I think, uh, uh, mid late 80s, late seventies. Okay. But I wanted to race, you know, I, I knew I could do it. I drove trucks around there, water trucks and tractors and never drove a car around there, but I knew I could do it just watching my uncle drive. So I came up with this crazy idea of uh, every every month my father would promote a powder puff derby where the women drove. <laughs> and one of my cousin's boyfriend had a car, race car, Mike Casterline. And I said, hey, Mike, can I borrow your car this weekend? What are you going to do? Well, you watch. I borrowed a wig. <laughs> this is a true story. I borrowed a wig from my cousin because that, back then we had short helmets. You know, this was right. way back. Right. And, uh in the 60s. So I, I entered the Powder Puff Derby to, so I could race, dressed up as a girl. Wait a minute. Come, and I was wait, come on. Seriously? I, that Was that your first race? Yeah, that's how bad I wanted to race. I cross-dressed. <laughs> I was leading the race. I swear, I was leading the race. And I'm thinking, I, I can't win this race. My father always gave, you know, went out and gave her a trophy to win her and a hug and a kiss. I don't think that'd go over too good with my father. So I turned it off and coasted it off. They didn't know that story that I'd done that until their 50th wedding anniversary. My brother, Brett, told that story. And even then, my mother shook her finger at me. You shouldn't have done that. Jeffrey, you shouldn't have done that. So, Jeff, you your first race was a powder puff race at your dad's track, and you were going to win the race. And you yeah. couldn't win the race because your yeah. dad would have probably wore you out in front of the fans right there getting your trophy. Yeah. And you 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 not you didn't win the race on purpose. You're right. Yeah, yeah. That's about the only and race you were, only race I ever did that in. <laughs> and you were cross dressing at the time just to be able to jump in the race car. Hey, you know girls have really neat clothes <laughs> and stuff. You know? nice, so. I hear we you. Just I hear you. T-shirts and stuff. We don't have anything fancy. Girls have good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, that was and that's a true story. And, uh, wow, that's uh, amazing. Kid, my, my cousin and the kid that I bought a car from, they're married now, so they can they can back it up. And of course, Absolutely. Brett, or he knew it, but nobody's told anyone until their 50th wedding anniversary. So that was pretty cool. That's amazing. That would be what, a, what a great story! And when when did uh, and then after that, how old were you when you uh, was what kind was it a stock? car what what uh what did jeff bodine finally get into a race car where he could race consistently every friday night saturday night how did all that work and how old were you 
it was a late mile dirt car. They wouldn't let me race until I turned 18 and graduated from high school. So I built a car outside my uncle's garage. Wow. And uh, it was a 56 Plymouth Savoy that my grandparents had given me. They wore it out. And so uh, uh, I stripped it down and fixed it up and changed the torsion bars and put a slant six engine in it for that division. And that was my first uh, race car. And, but I had to be 18. I couldn't race until I graduated. The night I graduated, my uncle drove it in heat race. He won. My uncle Earl. But when I got there, I had to start last in the feature. Mm-hmm. And my first race, I finished second. And afterwards, we're all pretty, pretty happy. You know, hey, not bad, not bad. My one uncle Maynard, who was the mechanic, engine builder and stuff, he said, well, you might have been able to win tonight, but I didn't give you wide open throttle. I said, what? <laughs> We didn't think you could handle it. I said, you, oh, you got to be kidding me. Wow. Uh, so you would have won the race if you would have had if Daddy gave you 100% throttle. Heck, you were down. Maybe. Wow. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. But, yeah, that's a true story. When he told me that, I said, I can't believe you did that to me. But we went on and won a lot of races that year. And the next year, we put a, a V8 in the same car, moved up a division class. And I won 15 out of 18 races. And. At the end of the year, uh, a, a gentleman locally had a, a modified. They raced on asphalt. He said, hey, you want to try this? We went to Fulton, New York. My first race in a modified on asphalt and did really well. I can't – I'd have to look. I don't know what happened, where All I right. finished. But that's got me going in modified stuff. So I ran with him for a couple of years, but then I started building the cars. He had a car. I rebuilt it, but then I built that first uh, modified, the Valiant Body. The famous Valiant Body. Right. That, revolution, that revolutionized racing back then. And of wow. course, then we built, uh, we call it the White Tornado. And Ray Everham has this car. We built that in 1980. And Ray has a car now. He has it. It's restored. Wow. I drove, he drove Pocono for a vintage car event so I could drive it. So I went to Pocono and drove around a big track. And, uh, and, and I, what year was that, Jeff? Well, that was just this last year. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's pretty awesome. Before COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. That's when Ray was up there with his car trying to break the speed record. Do you remember that? He didn't quite do it. It He had a little too drag in a car. He wanted to go 200 or something like that, but he went 185 or something. Okay. So man, he spun out. out? Yeah. God. (laughs) they trimmed it out to go fast, and that was – no downforce in it. <laughs> wow. So, man, you're – man, I just – you know, just – we heard all about your modified days, man. You were just uh, – you were the man in the modifieds. I, I don't know. You won over 100 races. I don't know what it was, but it's just, you know – 600. Just all the – how many? Over 600, 630 in my career. That's and amazing. What, yeah, and I'm proud of it, but I'm more proud of the – innovations i brought the safety innovations i brought into into racing and nascar was a full face helmet uh, i was the first guy to do that i did it with the modifieds when i got okay. uh, nascar late models i had it and then when i came to the cup earnhardt used to say he tried one on he said ah, i can't see out of it makes me claustrophobic he never would wear one because it was earnhardt wouldn't because i did it i brought it he he said no wonder you keep backing into me. You can't see me back. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm backing you into keep you. backing into him. I like that. That's typical Arnold, isn't it? Yeah, how many times did he run into you? Oh, he just loved to hit people. But uh, I wish you were still here to see the success that Junior had. and, and we're Absolutely. I'm sure he'd be a big part of it now. So it's oh, really a shame I hear that. No, no doubt about it. But man, I, uh, man, I never knew that uh, you know that, that all the safety innovations that you come up with. So Jeff Bodine was the first one to wear a full face helmet in NASCAR. When I, I came down, I brought the the seat down that first that wrapped around your ribs. Yeah, I had that in my modified. And uh, you've heard of Brian Butler? He's he oh yeah. Seat. I've used his so seat for twenty three years. Yeah. Well, guess yeah. what. <laughs> that was you well, well i drove for cliff stewart in the, the 50 car and then the 88 car gatorade right. and, but i had seat in there but it's fiberglass but i put a metal frame around it so it was strong so when i got the ride with rick henrick and harry hyde was the crew chief i brought the seat down he looked at that seat he said bodine i can't put no fiberglass seat in my race car he took that seat to brian butler just down the street yeah. From where the Henrik shops are, that was how Brian built his first seat off of my seat. And, and, the, and the, the famous, legendary Harry Hines wouldn't let you run nope. that seat. Nope. And, that's how, and that's how Butler built started. That's how it started. And then I came out with this. You know, Joy came out with too, but I came out with a seat that went around your shoulders. Right. This seat that came around your ribs, ribs, we kept going faster, and you hit the wall, you break some ribs. Absolutely. I broke my, the scapula twice at Talladega. You know, we're going over 200. Right. And so when I bought uh, Alan Quickie's team after he passed, tragically, uh, right. the first thing I did with Paul Andrews, the crew chief, I said, Paul, I'm going to build a different seat. And I got thinking, well, you're just at a football game. When a, when a blocker goes to block, does he raise his arm and hit him with the ribs? Hell no, he puts his no, shoulders. Puts I said, man, your shoulder's a lot stronger than your ribs. I need a seat that comes around my shoulders. So we built a seat that came around my shoulders. For Randy, Randy, LaJoy took off with it, LaJoy yes. seats. Yeah. There's now all the builders building that way. And they have this carbon fiber seat that costs about $10,000, which is yes. crazy. You know, mine were all aluminum. They're just as good, stronger and lighter, cheaper. But, so what uh, you're trying to say, the LaJoy seats should be LaJoy Bowdown seat. No, because you, no, you designed no, Randy, that. Nah, Randy ran with it. He he did it all. You know, I just I've done I've done so many things in racing. And I, I'm proud of the safety stuff. Power steering. I was the first guy to do that. Yeah, I, I had heard. that. I modified. And when I came down and started racing NASCAR late models, I put it in. I wore those guys out on the short tracks. Sam Hard, <laughs> Jack Ingram, Tommy Ellis, all those great guys. Dale Jarrett, wow. I'd wear them out in a. 500 lap race. You know, they didn't have power steering. Right. So when I went to uh, drive for Cliff Stewart, uh, Daryl Bryant was a crew chief. He said, I know you probably want that power steering on here, don't you? So, yeah. So I got all the, the steering box and all the bracketry and put it on. And North Wilkesboro was the first race for it. Right. And, you know, that's a tough track. I won four races there eventually, but that's uh, amazing. But uh, I jumped out of the car. I'm fresh as a daisy, and Earnhardt's over there, uh, and everyone's over there. Uh, <laughs> it's off track. And Waltrip went to Bill Francis and said, you got to outlaw that power steering. If that boy, if that breaks, that boy's going to wreck everybody. Because the fluids well, go everywhere. 
Yeah, DW. He yeah. He, he didn't want it. Well, we went to Dover. <clears throat> I'm not sure how many races were in between North Forks were in Dover, but Bobby right. Allison showed up with us. Power steering. Guess what happened that race? He won. I can finish second. Guess yeah. what happened this week? Half the field had power steering. And, wow, uh, Jeff. You're the first one that brought power steering into NASCAR. Uh, it's extended, so, extended careers of a lot of drivers, including Richard Petty and myself. You know, abs- all absolutely. Unbelievable. The late Earnhardt used to say, hey, Wimp, do some more push-up. He didn't understand why power steering – hell, yeah, it made it steer easier, but right. it made you – you could set your front up, front end up, set right. camera and all that to handle yeah. better. Right. Well, he didn't think of it that way. He thought it was just because I didn't have big muscles. But I drove wow. cars. Yeah, I could do it. But uh, Yeah, but it was so much easier. You were so much fresher. You wouldn't worry yourself out. You know what I'm saying? So You, you could it set was. the camera and caster better and the, all that to tow. And, yeah, uh, you drove cars without power steering, right? I you have. Answer where if you let go to steering wheel, it go that it way. turns, it turns left, yes, sir. All by itself, yes, but you still got to bring it back, too. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you're working, yeah. you're oh, working, yeah. yeah, certainly. Episode eight of Let's Go Racing with David Starr, currently joined by Jeff Bodine here on this, this week's show. Jeff, uh, your family has been a big part of NASCAR. Tell us about the whole Bodine gang. Well, you know, uh. Todd, Brett, and I have an older sister, Denise. She's five years older than I am. And her health isn't real good. So, Denise, I call her every once in a while, but I, I'm sure they're watching. Uh, but uh, Brett is 10 years – our parents didn't know anything about family planning. <laughs> Brett's 10 years younger than I am. Denise is five years older, but Brett was 10 years younger than me. Wow. And Todd is another five years younger than Brett. So wow. I, helped, I raised these kids, you know, these men now, but I raised yeah. them, helped raise them and changed diapers and all that good stuff. And so when they started racing, I really had a problem racing with them. You know, of course I had more experience and I was winning more races, but, uh, and, you know, and I hate, oh, it's Todd. I hate passing him. Oh, it's Brett. I hate to pass him. You know, he's, <laughs> he's so brother. you know, it's my brother. Really, yeah. But when they passed me the first time, I said, "All right, that's over. <laughs> Get out of. I'm gonna. Have, I'm going after him." You know. But <laughs> until I did, they, they until they could beat me. You know, I felt bad because they're my brothers. Sure, um, amazing man. But but I tell you what, you had been proud of them. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. to watch to man, they uh, they have, man, what a big brother to have a to have you as their big brother and 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 all the compliments you were doing. And when they started and they started winning, I mean. That's 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 a pretty cool deal, you know, to impress your well, brother in, in a race with against your brother. It's pretty awesome. And I I helped both of them to get into NASCAR. Brett moved down. I said he he raced modifies pretty successful, but he wanted to come down. He moved to North Carolina and I got him a job with Rick Hendrick and Harry Hyde working on my cars. Right. So we had a late model that Robert G. Huh, Robert, Robert G. Robert G. It. Wow. Love that guy. But so I was driving late model and well, we went to uh, Bristol. We had a weekend off the cup. We went to Bristol with Laymouth, and I was on the outside pole, but it rained. And the next week, we had to race a cup car. Right. So here, Robert G. and Rick come to me and said, 
what, what are we going to do? Who are we going to put in a car? I said, put Brett. What are you talking about? I said, Brett ran late models up north, but then he ran modifies it. And he won races at Martinsville. Put him in the car. No, we were at Martinsville with the, uh, with the late model. I said, you put him in a car, he'll win the race for you. Guess what happened? He won, won a race. race. <laughs> wow. He won a race. And so, uh, you know, I, I said, hey, just let him drive that car. I, you know, I gave him that late model ride. It was mine. But I said, no, let him drive it. And I just concentrate on cup. So I really helped get his career started. And then when Todd came down, he was working for Kyle Petty and Felix Sabatis. And, but he wanted to – and they had that – what they call it, a sportsman class or something for a while. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah sportsman class yeah. yeah, they kept getting hurt and some guys killed, but he he wanted to build a car for it. So I gave him a – well, Rick, but I gave him an old chassis we had, and uh, and Brett gave him – he was driving for Bud Moore. Brett gave him some parts, Ren and brakes maybe. Right. I bought an engine for him. And he built a beautiful car. Well, that is what got his career going down here. So, yeah, I'm really happy and proud of him. Todd won how many truck championships? Man, three. Lots, yeah. lots, man. Todd was so, he he was uh, you know his accomplishments. I'm like you said, three or four chips in the truck series and Xfinity series. He's just done well. Cup cup career. I mean, all you guys, you know, and. uh Pretty, pretty awesome. Just the Bowdown, Bowdown family, just your brothers, all you guys have done well. It's pretty yeah. awesome. And, you know, yeah, racing has been great to our whole family. And yeah. uh, Brett worked for NASCAR. Uh, Todd is doing Fox Sports for the truck races in studio and sometimes at the track. He might drive a uh, truck race in Watkins Glen this year. He's trying to put that deal together. I think that would be awesome. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was testing but today. That, I drove a car. I mean, I don't drive much, but you never forget. You never forget. Two laps, I'm going wide open and uh, adjusting a car for my friend. And, uh, so that, I still can do it. I don't. I don't want to race because uh, I've hit my head a lot. My wife doesn't even. She, man, I hope she didn't hear that. She doesn't want me to pass because you know, something can happen, blow a tire or whatever. And if I hit my head again, I might not wake up. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I forget things, Jim. So I forget names and what Sam, you Sam, I can't remember your name. No, <laughs> well, you I, well, well, I can't remember. Well, Jim, you better stay out of a car. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't that's, do that. that's funny, man. That's funny. Well, Jeff, I, I want to test your memory for a second. Do you, uh, do you recall when David and your brother Todd had that little scuffle on pit road a, a few years back? <laughs> David? Yeah, David, and son, when they had that fight on pit road a few years back. David, who? Oh, Star? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> and I'm talking to you. Oh, no, hey, you know, you beat him up. Todd, hey, Todd's, Todd, you know, nobody re- beat anybody up. Todd, yeah, I know. yeah. Todd's I my buddy, man. Todd's a great guy, man. Yeah. You know, in racing, in life, you're going to meet people that don't agree with you. You don't agree with them racing. You're going to bump somebody and they're going to bump you back. And, uh, sometimes very, very few times it's on purpose. Right, David. It just happens. It's racing. That's right. But you still get mad. So, right. uh, yeah, I've gotten a few fights. 
but I learned. <laughs> what do you call that, Jeff? <laughs> I always had big guys behind me. I always had a big pit crew. <laughs> hey, Jeff, what do you call that? Uh, passion? I call it passion. You know what I mean? It's just passion, man. We want to win. Everybody wants to win. And, and it just it happens, you know. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, five minutes later, ten minutes later, you feel bad about it because, man, you're, you're like you're arguing with one of your best buddies. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, that deal with me and Todd was just one of those racing things. And uh, he's passionate and I'm just passionate. But, man, just a, a great guy. I could always go over and talk to Todd about how his truck was handling and, you know, how mom was handling. I, uh, I still think he's a dear friend. He's a great, great guy. Uh, I'm sure, uh, you know, just good guy. Yep, and definitely. a tough competitor as well. He learned all hey, that. Jeff, I want to – yeah, there you go. It's all that wrestling, man. And that, that, yeah. that like Earnhardt said, that power staring or didn't know power yeah. staring. But uh, you, he so called Jeff, me. I, wanna, I had to, I the first guy, <laughs> this is another Earnhardt thing. I, I, I was the first guy to have a big motor coach. And I did it because really? we, you know, we used to stay in motels and some were pretty bad. And in the middle of the night, man, I, I, can, I know you're in there. Can you give me an autograph? Well, you know, my, we took our kids when we could. And my wife, she got pretty upset about all that and then we go to dinner and you'd be have a fork going in your mouth hey, can you sign my autograph I just my wife hated that she's passed away right. now. so uh so i said hmm and i used to have a small one or race modified it's a small mini motorhome right so i said i'm, I'm gonna try I, maybe we'd need to try one of them and felix sabata's had one he took in on trade renewal and i knew he gave me a heck of a deal on it and uh so we tried it out i used one and uh, oh, we fell in love with it, you know. Just so we bought a new one. Now, I, this is true tour. I drove into Rockingham with it, the new one. And Mark Martin looked up at me because he had a small one. Right. Oh shit! So I handed him a business <laughs> card. I handed him a business card to Kyle Blade, Carl Blade with Newell. I said, "Call him up. I got one. I got another one ordered." And he was the second one to get one. And now everybody has them. So, Jeff, you started that – you brought that to NASCAR because every driver has a motorhome. So, you telling me yeah. you were the first one to do that. Yeah. Felix Zavadis had one, but he just used it for hospitality. He didn't stay in it. Right. I was driver to do it, yeah. And they hated me. And in the beginning, I had to park out in the infield with the fans. Right. Fine. You know, back then, there weren't tremendous – I mean, there were, but they didn't bother you. But – then uh, more and more guys got them, so they could provide places for them. And, you know, now, yeah, they got motor coaches all over the place. Every driver has one, car owners, crew chiefs. I mean, that's a lot of motor coaches. Wow. <laughs> Man, you have done so much in races. It's pretty – it's cool to hear the stories. Wow. I would have ne never known that. You know, I know some of the – like the power staring and things like that, but I, that's, that's amazing. One of the things I want to ask you about is, uh, you know – you and Earnhardt's rivalry, it was just, you know, if you if you watched racing or was a part of it, but, you know, the Bodine-Earnhardt rivalry was huge, you know. And I, you know, when you're watching the, the movie, when the movie Days of Thunder came out, you know, that, that was Jeff Bodine. It was Dale Earnhardt, you know what and I mean? Tim and Tim Richmond. And Tim Richmond, yeah. okay. The story behind that is uh, when I was driving for Rick Henrik, he was friends with Paul Newman. Paul was a great road racer, and Rick had some road racing stuff. Right. And he said, man, I have to drive a big track. They took well, we're going there to test. He said, come on, come on down. We'll, we'll take a late model down, Robert G's late model, and uh, you can drive that. 
So he was all excited. He was a great road racer. And uh, so he pulled in and he, he brought this young and up, up and coming movie star called Tom Cruise with him. Wow. So it was my job. To, it was my job to teach him to go around the track, the groove and stuff. And no, no restrictor plates then. So a late model, wow, a late model went hundred miles an hour. That's yeah. wow. So Paul ran about 191. So then it was uh, Tom's turn. We all prayed. Oh, please. <laughs> it, was, it was a real race car. Don't wreck it. Please don't wreck it. Yeah. He went like 188. Wow. Didn't, didn't wreck it. So that evening, <clears throat> there used to be an olive garden next to the uh, speedway. Absolutely. I've been there so many times. My yeah, favorite place. I, uh, <laughs> so we went and they used to have booths. So nobody saw Tom and, right. and Paul up in and so I'm sitting next to Tom or Paul Tom's over there, ex father, my father-in-law, a couple other guys. And, uh, uh, we're just chatting. I said, you know, here I'm sitting with two famous movie stars that love racing. I said, we need a new racing movie. We got James Gardner, Grand Prix. We got all the old movies, which are great, but we need a new up-to-date movie. So I put the seat in Tom's head about that. And we did some other racing together one time at Charlotte. Rick always, uh, to uh, make his sponsors happy, would take cars to the racetrack and let, let you drive anything, anything. We want the road to Atlanta. And uh, a TV guy up in Charlotte, it was my real road race car. He put it in the woods. And he put, and another guy put Tim Richmond's car in the woods. I mean, crashed him. But that's what so Rick did. Man, he, he took care of the sponsors. He took care of people. The only yeah. problem was it was your real road racing car he did it with. No, that, that wasn't in a plan. But he brought a, a guy brought a whole bunch of racing Corvettes there, the tractor right. trailer. So we unloaded them. And, and Tom got one, and I got one. Brett was there and some other people. Tom was pretty – he was aggressive. He was fast. He was out of control, but he was fast. So we, we did that and had a, a good time. So we became kind of friends through all this. Right. But when they, uh, you know, what are you going to make a movie of? So they sent writers to the speedways. I don't know if you were around then, but they sent these movie writers in and they just started asking <clears throat> crew chiefs and drivers, tell us some stories. Just right. Tell us. Well, in those days, Earnhardt were, and I were going banging all the time and the penalty box and all that stuff. And uh, hey, Jeff, you were backing into him a lot, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I had a good reverse gear. I couldn't see. But Tim Richmond was my teammate with Rick Henrik. And Tim, right. you know, was very, oh, he was an awesome driver. He's crazy and good looking and single. So he, right. he in the movie, all the girl stuff was him. That right. Was all right. Okay. That was all Tim. But the racing part was Earnhardt and I. And uh, the ice cream cone, that yeah. was a sharp. He wrecked me and. I asked my crew what they were doing. It was really hot. Oh, we got some ice cream. Get me one. So I went and got an ice cream cone. Of course, it melted real quick. So that was that was that's true. Oh yeah. And then he he wrecked me in the Saturday race, and then he wrecked me in the Sunday race. And that evening, got a call from Rick Henrik. Hey, meet us at the airport. We got a meeting in Daytona with Mister <laughs> Frank. So we all flew down there, and Rick and I and some other guys, and then Earnhardt Childress and some other guys, and. At this big long table, and Bill Francis in the middle, and Earnhardt and I were across from each other. And I said, "Well, you know, back then you didn't have the recording equipment they have today, but he had a pile full of stuff." He said, "I got a VCR tape right here. 
I know we're not going to have to show it. We're going to be able to work this out. He said, Dale, what happened? And Saturday's his race. Billy? Coming off turn two, I, I just hit the apron and shot me right up into it. Man, I didn't do it. I made a mistake. I hit the apron. And what happened was they, he pitted, and I didn't pit, so he had better tires. Right. But anyway, so he said, I hit the apron. Okay. Well, what happened? Sunday's race. Damn, Billy. Going on that back stretch, and I was underneath Bodine, and, man, I got loose. That you know, goes straight. I just made a mistake. He said, I made a mistake. I, I made a mistake. I got loose and just. Went up into him. I said, uh, I looked at Dale. I said, Dale, for somebody so freaking good, you sure do make a lot of mistakes. I said, Mr. <laughs> France, I said, Mr. France, I think, I think we need to see that video. It shows him in a Saturday race running into me. He kept replaying. Ramon. Wow. Dale, Dale, you didn't hit the apron. You just ran into the boy. And then the sun is race. And this is a true story. You know, Rick Henry called me up after Saturday's race and said, look, I'm tired of Earnhardt wrecking my car. We didn't wreck Saturday. Because, but he said, I'm tired of Earnhardt wrecking my car. If you can't do something about it, I'll get something in there that will. Oh, wow. Yeah, I like my ride with him. So I uh, came up with a scheme because if he hit me and I hit him back, I'd get in trouble. Right. i say he hit me. Nah, he might have made a mistake. So, but if he hit me, I hit him. I got the penalty box. They started the penalty box because of me. They, <laughs> Another, so you were the cause of that. I was the cause of that. <laughs> so, okay, I, I I couldn't let him hit me first. I had to hit him first on Sunday. Right. And to start, I I just started right behind him, just the way it worked. And he's loose. He kept waving me to go by pass. I wave at him and I pass him. He waved, go on past, and I'm just waving at him. <laughs> so coming off the turn two, I bumped him, got him sideways. I didn't wreck him. Right. So now we're going on the corner. I'm a little ahead of him going into turn three. He just didn't turn. Mr. France said, Dale, looks like he didn't turn the steering wheel. You did run into the boy. But unfortunately, he wrecked my car bad enough. And so we're riding around. That's when I went and got the ice cream cone and I right. had to meet him. And, uh, on the way to, we we're going to dinner after the meeting, and um, France threw me a set of car keys. He says, you, you two guys need to ride together and work this out. Now he told us what how we were going to drive the rest of that year. He did. He said, he said, "Don't get near each other. If those two cars catch touch for any reason, we're got we're going to have to find out why. It might take ten laps. Might take a hundred. Might take an hour, but we're going to find why they hit. So Dale never didn't hit anyone the rest of that year. And, uh, but on the way to dinner, he hits me in the shoulder. I'm driving. That's what? Give him a shot. I'm following Bill France and Childers and Rick Hendrick in the car. I said, What the hell are you talking? He hit me again. He wanted me to go run into him. <laughs> I really? Well, I was pretty intense. I yeah. just kind of just chewed out. Excuse my language. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. I'll pull over and let you do it. He said, "No, no, just keep going." He wanted me to. <laughs> he wanted me to get in more trouble. He wanted me to hit him and get in more trouble. But uh, I wish I'd done it. But, That's uh, hilarious, Jeff. Wow, man. Yeah. Oh, we, it's uh, crazy. We got to ask David coming up in just a bit as well as our NASCAR news and notes. But just a few more things before we uh, get to those. Uh, Dominic, uh, what, what, what do you got for us? 
Yeah, I think, Jeff, I think it's worth sharing your experience. I mean, especially during that era, running the Levi Garrett car, Hendrick Motorsports, uh, mid, late, mid to late 1980s. You won the Daytona 500 in 1986. And you and only 37 other people would say they have done that. Share with us your experience of winning the Great American Race. Well, yeah, that was uh, – my parents, we used to drive from Shimon, New York, to Daytona to watch the 500. Uh, uh, Several times when I was a kid, when my sister, and on the way home, I always get up in, in the back deck of our Chrysler that we had, big old Chrysler, and I'd be back there sleeping or whatever. I said, Dad, ah, you know, one day I'm going to go to Daytona race against Richard Petty, my hero. Of course, I go, ah, yeah, yeah. How's a kid from Shimon, New York ever going to do that? And so that was my kind of my dream. Well, so when I got in and I said, well, this is pretty cool. And now I want to win Daytona. I won it pretty early in my career, real early. So I go on a in victory lane and I'm crying and my wife's crying. And that's where you say, what do we do now? I accomplished what I wanted to do in NASCAR. I almost thought I'm going to, have to quit. <laughs> but as, <laughs> as you know, once you win, you just want to win more. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so we win. But the big story with Rick Hendrick was, uh, uh, you know, I, he and Harry Hard were going to build his team. They had Earnhardt drive a car at Charlotte, test it. Uh, he already had a ride. And I, I think Richard Petty might even drove it. And uh, I think they asked Tim Richmond about it, and Tim turned him down. And, but Harry Hard called me up. Not on my cell phone. We didn't have him then. And he said, hey. I got a guy down here in Charlotte you need to meet, Rick Henrik. He got a car dealer, but we're putting a team together. I'd like to come to, come down here and chat with you. Because I, I was running pretty good in that 88 car. And uh, so I went in the office, and uh, we chatted, and Rick said, well, you know, I don't think I can guarantee a full season, but uh, maybe 15 races. Well, I had a full-time ride, but. Harry Hyde was, I wanted to drive that guy. I want, Harry Hyde was a winning crew chief. I said, he's going to show me how to win these races. I want to drive for him. So I said, yeah, I like to, I like to drive for you guys. And Rick said, well, let Harry and I talk about it for a while and we give you a call. No cell phones back then. I said, I'm thinking that phone might not ever ring. <laughs> so I said, Rick, you mind if I just wait out in the lobby for your answer? That impressed him so much. About five minutes, they came out and you got the job. <laughs> but if I'd left, I might not have got it. Man, Jeff, that's that's incredible. So you don't yeah. want no phone call. You want to, you just say, I'm going to wait outside. Give me, you know, and let me know. Man, that's that impressed Rick. That's a true story. And then, but the, but the rest of the story is, uh, um, we're running pretty good. We had some good runs mm -hmm. and with the car, with the new car and stuff. And we hadn't won yet. And Rick came up to us after the seventh race and said, guys, I spent way too much money, man. I didn't think I was going to have to spend this kind of money to, to race. And I can't, I can't go any farther. I got to shut the door. <laughs> Holy seven wow. races, seven races. Well, the next race is going to be Martinsville. Of course, I won modified and late model races there. Right. 
So I left, but Harry went with Rick and said, look, Rick, the car is ready. The engine's in it. You might have to buy a couple of tires, but everything's ready. Let us go. Bodine's won some races there. You, you never know, but let us go. So, he, of course, he said, yeah. Rick and his wife, were. he promised his wife to go to a church conference in Greensboro. So he wasn't even at the racetrack that weekend. He was at the church conference. And uh, so we go up there. and We're running good in practice. I don't know if we qualified. I don't even know. Don might know. I don't know where. Where's up front? But Harry picked. Back in those days, they had two pit rows, one on each side of the racetrack at Martinsville. Right. Harry picked the last spot on the front straightaway, not the first spot. There's a reason why. You know, you get bottled up and going down right. pit row, you lose a lot of time. So he picked the first spot for our pit. And uh, uh, we're, <laughs> we're at a – we had a, it happened to be my, – my, my birthday's on April 18th, so it was, it was the same weekend. We had a little fan club meeting, and Harry gets the microphone and said, well, yeah, Bodine's running pretty good, but I don't think he's ready to win. I grabbed the microphone. I said, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. Where we're going to win the race. <laughs> yeah, we had to win. You know, the doors were going to close. I didn't say that to anybody. but uh, So we went out there and won the race. I mean, kicked her butt, and nobody dropped out. You know, we beat Earnhardt and Bobby and the whole gang. So really proud of that. And uh, – Rick didn't know we won. He called his mother up because she was home watching TV or radio. How'd they do? Well, Rick, they won the race. They won the race. Hey. They went toilet paper in my house. <laughs> <laughs> Rick did his wife. That was a big celebration. So <laughs> Rick Henderson his wife, they wrapped your house, huh, Jeff, with toilet paper. Freezing house, yeah. Probably a million Man, that- dollars worth of toilet paper. But if I hadn't won that race, and Rick tells this story, he's told it to – his drivers. Uh, I'm not making this up. Rick's told it. And if, if we hadn't won that race, the doors are going to close. Man. Man, Jeff, that's what a, what a story. Rick Hendricks. I mean, we look at Rick Hendricks today and uh-huh. you're thinking, man, Jeff O'Dine delivered Rick Hendricks, Hendrick Motorsports, you know, the, the, the powerhouse of NASCAR racing, Jeff O'Dine delivered him his first victory. Well, Harry Hyde and the whole crew, uh, Randy Dorton, you know, he passed away in an air crash. It was his, his engine then, but uh, uh, along with BNR help. Right. But, uh, yeah, that's a true story. And we were doing a little TV thing up in one of Rick's museums, and, and Earnhardt was there and Gordon, uh, I think, uh, and Waltrip and Kenny Schrader because they drove for Rick before, and, and we were doing some TV. And <clears> – <throat> Rick told that story. Wow. Those guys' eyes got big. They said, really? He said, yeah, I was going to close the door, man. I was broke. And so they're all going, hey, man, thanks. Great job. Good going. Hey, awesome. You know, all those things. I said, well, you you believe Rick, right? Well, heck, yeah, we believe Rick. I said, well, don't you guys think you owe me something? <laughs> you know, <owe> something? <laughs> Gordon goes, yep, check them in the mail. Every time I see Jeff, I said, yeah, I haven't got that check yet. Got the check yet. Well, that's- <laughs> yeah, last time he said, did you move? Give me your new address. <laughs> I still haven't got that check. But- so, Jeff, tell us, tell us something, Jeff. When you won that race, did that open the door? Did the sponsors come? And did that yeah. that kept you all going? Winning that race. That, that was a red and white car number five. It was uh, All-Star Racing. 
Kenny Rogers was involved, but not financially. After that race, right. we got Northwestern Security Life. And then the next year we got Levi Garrett. And yeah, that's when it's, you win. Good things happen. They, yeah, they come. That's amazing. But that's kept, that's what, what kept the doors open. Winning yeah. takes care of everything, as they say. Uh, Jeff, uh, yeah. one more question for you before we move to uh, our uh, NASCAR News and Notes segment here. Um, you were heavily involved in, uh, in bobsledding. Tell us about uh, how that all got started and what you did on the uh, bobsled front. Well, I was in the 92 Olympics. Herschel Walker was involved driving with He was a pusher, and but they didn't do they didn't do very well. They kept bouncing off the walls, and I was sitting in my room watching it with my family, and I said, ah, they just need a good driver, a real driver. And, of course, they laughed. But I, told that, I, called, I called my optometrist friend up who uh, was good friends from a long time from hometown in Elmira, New York, and and I said, uh, told him the same story. He said, they give rides in Lake Placid. He was a New Yorker. Let's go up there. I said, I don't have time, man. I'm racing. Our next race was Rockingham. I said, I don't have time. He said, no, no, I'm going to call him up. I got a friend that has an airplane. He can fly us up. I'm going to call him. So he called him up and uh, Bill Strauss, his name. And he's really responsible for me getting in. He called him and said, you know, I wanted to come up and go for a ride. So uh, this one athlete Bruce Roselli stayed there another weekend to give me a ride in his bobsled. So we flew up and uh, I got a ride, scared the heck out of me. The old Lake Placid track was very dangerous. Now they didn't tell me that, but it was, I learned later. And uh, he actually gave me two rides. Oh man, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> no, I really, I thought I was going to fall out, you know, just didn't have much behind you. And I just said, please Lord, don't let me die. Well, then Bruce said, you want to drive? I said, I'll kill you. No, no, we're not going way to the top. We'll start down, have different starting places. I said, you sure? He said, man, you drive 200 miles an hour. Daytona, you can drive this thing. I said, well, if you think so. So, and my uh, PR girl, uh, Lisa Cox, had called ESPN and told them we we're going to be there. So they all came from Connecticut to Lake Placid. Of course, back then you had a recorder. You had to push play record they taped the uh uh cameras on her helmets and one on a sled and but they videotaped the whole thing and uh first time down i did pretty darn good you know you know pretty zigzag corner a little rough but pretty good but what happens when a race driver does good confidence you want to go faster absolutely (laughs) i said I want to do this again. We got time. He said, yeah. So we went back up again and they taped all this stuff on us again. And <clears throat> some of my family were up there watching and a lot of people, excuse me. So they're pushing us off because we have to sit in there. I'm waving at them. Hey, this is fun. I looked down the track. I said, "Uh Oh, what the heck do I do now? You know, the first time was just pure luck, but right. I looked at, Cause you got to drive it. You got to steer it. If you don't, you're going to crash. So we went through this one corner, they call it zigzag. And, uh, it's, uh, yeah, first corner would be a left-hander. Then it zigs back to a right-hander. Right. I came off the right-hander a little too high and almost flipped. Bruce wow. behind me is yelling at me, come off earlier. I knew what to do, but he, I couldn't, he couldn't hear him too. They're too noisy. 
but he's screaming. You can hear it on the video. So I, we're going on a straightaway to the last corner, and uh, I said, please, Lord, don't let me crash and hurt Bruce or me. I'll never do this again. So I came off the last corner too early, and the front of the sled hit the wall, and the back slammed the wall, knocked the wind out of him. It hit so hard, Bruce, on a video. He's trying to catch it. Oh, shit. Trying to catch his breath. It's kind of funny. We stopped, and I'm doing an interview, and Bruce said, come here a minute, Jeff. Come here. And he pointed to the back of his sled. He hit the wall so hard it bent his frame six inches to the left. Wow, six inches. But by this That's time of day, hit. yeah, it was hard. It knocked him one out. But by this time of day, I realized I couldn't be a coach, couldn't be a driver, an athlete. But I looked at their equipment, and they bought all their equipment from the Europeans. It was junk. No wonder they weren't doing good. It was junk. By that time of the day, I knew what I wanted to do. I said, well, Bruce, I guess I'll have to build you Bob's. So that's how it all started. But if my friend Bill Stroud hadn't made me go up there to take a ride, it never would have happened. So, yeah, Bill wow. is responsible. But in the beginning, it was my money to get it going and get it going. And uh, uh, But they uh, we're, we're not building now. We won. They won more olympic medals and world championships than they've ever won in bobsledding and uh so we're real proud of that yeah but the lord led me so listen everything i've done in racing in my life it's god that's done it to me i'm just a farm kid from shimong new york he he gave me the the talent and some opportunities to race the right parents and the right opportunity and then along my racing career I always believed in God. I didn't know what it meant. We went to church once in a while. Eh, we didn't know. But along my career, he, he led me to the right people, and just things happened good. And uh, uh, I got a ride when I got my first ride. And Because this is real important. I mean, this is going to be a big part of my book if Dom ever gets it done. <laughs> Come on, Dominic. Let's go, buddy. <laughs> but after I got the first cup ride with Cliff Stewart, I had everything family, pride, I mean, making some money. And, man, I was the most unhappy guy in the world. I said, what the heck is happening? You know, I, of course, talked with my wife then, and and I figured out I didn't have God in my life. I, it was all about me. And so we start, I started searching for the Lord and uh, started going to church and reading the Bible. Reading the Bible is real important. Um, and actually, I was coming back from – after I joined with Rick Henry, I was working on a car one night to get ready to race with Gary Nelson and the boys. And I'm driving from Charlotte back to Greensboro and about two in the morning and it just came to me. I, I turned my life to God, except to Jesus, my Lord and Savior. And things have changed, you know. It went out and off. It didn't get smooth. It got rough because once you show Satan that you – do believe in God and, and Jesus, he comes after you. He, he makes your life pretty miserable. But as long as you got the faith and, and God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, you, you'll get through it. And, uh, so I'm, you know, I went through divorce and went through one of my sponsors didn't pay me $18 million. What could we do with $18 million? David, we could do some racing. Wow. So I had to get partners and they kicked me out. And you know, the story is good. And then I'm in there working Daytona, and there's no question he reached down there to save me. If millions of people watch this accident in 2000 Daytona, and there's no way I could survive that. No way. The front was cut off. The 
roll cage and I landed on a racetrack. How do you survive? Uh, the Lord Jeff, I, was in, I was in that race and that's, you know, it's like, man, you know, everybody was there that day. It was, it was, it was a godly thing. Good Lord wasn't ready for you. He, yeah. he, uh, he, he needed you here to, to do his more work. And, uh, but man, it was, that wreck was, it, it, it was amazing. It, it was, it was a mirror. It was just a God thing. You know what I mean? He wasn't ready for you. And, uh, because well, man, I'm glad yeah. you're using those words because now I'll tell you the rest of the story. I love telling okay. the rest of the story. I love it. You know, I, I hit the wall at 190. Some Kirk Bush was driving for Roush in a truck, and he, another guy came down to hit and came in front of me through the tribal, threw me up in the fence, and the big cables cut the front off at my feet, ripped the top off. 10 or 11 people got hurt in the grandstand. Thank God no one's serious. But those cables just right. destroyed this vehicle. It's tumbling and other vehicle hit me, spun me around and fire and uh, landed on on the track. Uh, the engine flew down the track. Uh, but like I said, I was lit. My shoulders were, I was in the seat, but my shoulders were, and head were on a racetrack. And uh, they, I wasn't breathing when they got to me, which was many minutes because it had to wait. And they undid my seatbelt to get me out. I started breathing. Never talked, never opened my eyes. But during that time period, uh, my dad had come to me. And when he passed, he was sick. But he came to me, and he, he looked great, smiling. And I looked at him and said, Dad, I'm coming to see you. He said, no, it's not time. You have more to do. And the Lord had just kept, kept me doing things that are incredible. And so truly, I was saved that day. And he used my dad to tell me I wasn't going to die. So very blessed. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. What a what a beautiful I mean an unfortunate circumstance. What a beautiful story. You know, your dad told you that you're gonna stay down there and race some more. Well, I'd, I'd go amazing. through it if I I gonna see my dad and have that experience because uh, it's yeah, it's a, it's a life changing experience. I always believed in the Lord, and that's you know you can fool people, go to church, fool people, and they yeah yeah I'm a church goer, but you don't really believe. But you can't fool God. He knows what's that's in your heart. Absolutely. And he knew, he still knows that when I say I'm a believer, I believe in Jesus, accepting my Lord and Savior, I've been back there. He knows it's real. He's the only yeah. one that can tell what's in there, you and him. Absolutely. So, it's, not, uh, it's, not a, it's not about going to church, man. You know what I mean? That, that don't hurt, but that's that's not how you get to heaven, you know? So I, I use that as a testimony a lot with people and trying to lead them more to, to believe in Jesus. Uh, that's what our mission is down here on earth. Uh, God wants everybody to go to heaven, even people that kill people, steal, rob. They can, they'll go to heaven if they accept Jesus and, and turn their lives around. You can't continue being bad. Right. But I try to be a little better every day. Sometimes I'm a little worse every day. <laughs> Not, we're all sinners, but I try Absolutely. to be a little better. And yeah, you, you'll never be sin-free. You're going to be a sinner right up till you die, but... As long as you accept Jesus, you're fine. You're going to heaven. That's, uh, that's so absolutely. Amen. 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 Was that? I have a man, Jeff. I gotta. I, I gotta ask you. I mean, there's so much, but what was Harry Hyde like, man? You you read about the man, and uh, you, you watch Days of Thunders, but man, I just I hear so much stories, and and you work with, I mean, probably the one of the or the best crew crew chief ever in our industry. Yeah. You know, and what was he like? 
whoa, man, he was from Kentucky. So he, he talked, he smoked a cigar, he'd go, bow down, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> he, you know, he was old school, but then we won with him. He had didn't have computers back then. He had a five by, a four by or three by five card that he wrote everything on with a little pen. He had more stuff wow. a computer could put in it. I mean, just real light heat. And from torsion bars from the Mopar days to he'd have it converted to closed springs and gear ratios and setups and tarp. I mean, he'd, he'd take them five by five, three by fives out and say, here's what we got to do, Bodine. And, you know, we won races <laughs> with him. But he was old school. So the second year with Harry, we were starting to butt heads because some of his old setups weren't working. Cars are getting different, tracks are changing. And I tried to explain to him about, he liked to put a lot of lead in the trunk. That's a heavy oh. in a trunk. He'd run a lot of wow. rear And uh, some is, was that, really Jeff, was that before bite or is that just where he put the lead? That was because he, those, those setups worked with those old, big old cars with wings and torsion bars and leaf springs. Okay. But it worked for us. I won Martinsville that way. But you know, things change and they evolve. And I tried to explain to him, Ray Harry, that all that lead in that trunk is like a pendulum on a clock. You go in a corner and that thing will swing out. It makes the back end loose. It swings out. Said Bodon, I don't know about any pendulum effect, but I'm going to put the lid back. <laughs> so we were buttonheads. <laughs> he was, but I love the guy. He taught me a lot. Oh, he taught me a lot, and he was a great guy. Funny. He was the funniest guy. But yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about no pendulum effect, but <laughs> so we. But that's what uh, eventually he went with Tim, and that's when I went with Gary Nelson. Of course, we won day um, a lot of races with Gary. Daytona. Yeah, man. Gary, Gary was, uh, man, you know, he, uh, he went to go, I guess I always heard, you know, if NASCAR, you know, you would hear, you know, Gary Nelson was, uh, I mean, what he would he when NASCAR hired him, what was his, what was his role, Jeff? With NASCAR? Yes. He was an inspector, you know, because yeah, he had the reputation of cheating. So he knew yes, how to cheat. And he did it with, the he was with Bobby Allison and some other guys, and they cheated. How come I, whenever I got a crew chief like Gary or when I was with Junior Johnson, they <laughs> cheated all the time? They wouldn't cheat with me. No, they got caught. And so when I got there, I couldn't cheat. But we never cheated with Gary. Uh, he was just really smart, very smart. Yeah. We won day one and won all the races. But uh, he ended up with some trouble and uh, NASCAR hiding. And so then I ended up with Waddell Wilson, and now that's a guy. Wow. Yeah, Waddell, one of the best engine builders in his time during his time, and uh, what a great guy! I love the guy. He, I still love him. He's still involved in racing with some stuff, but uh, he's in the Hall of Fame. He, he deserves it. Uh, but but I really enjoyed working with him. Of course, then I went with. Uh, I've had some great opportunity. Went with Junior Johnson. Yeah, that's amazing. Two years with two with Ford. Budweiser, and then uh, Bud Moore was, had Motorcraft as a sponsor for yeah. Motorcraft, but he wasn't doing good. So they came to me and uh, said, uh, we want you to drive for Bud. If you can't win with Bud Moore, we're going to pull a sponsorship. Wow. Now you That's talk about impressive. searching. 
Ooh. You talk about a character, but was a he's old grouchy, old grouchy guy. But I mean, very great guy. He was in the military. Well, I mean, with medals and I mean, he was just a super patriotic guy. And but he was getting grouchy at the end of his career in racing, and uh, he had great cars. Uh, uh, yeah, here's a one of my moments. Donnie Ringo and Travis Carter were co-crew chiefs. Can't get any better. Both great crew chiefs. And uh, the cars are great, but the engines don't. Uh, Bud and his son built the engines then. And they were terrible. I said, man, if I can get a good engine, I know we can win. <laughs> well, back in those days, you, you heard of Pro Motors. Yeah. yeah. He had a couple of cars with his engine and man, they blow me off down a straightaway. I said, I want the Preston Miller Miller who worked for Ford in the racing part. I said, Preston, if we had, if I had one of those engines, we could win some races. But I had some great cars. The engines are terrible. So Ford bought an engine for us. Went to Martinsville. Sunday race rained out. Ran on Monday. Won the race. Kick. Wow. That's now, awesome. now we're going to North Wilkesboro. And, you know, Bud's okay with that. You know, yeah. it wasn't his engine, but he, he always said, ah, you could have done it with my engine, but it wouldn't have happened. So now we go to Wilkesboro and we practice with one of Bud's engines. Right. The same car at Martinsville, same setup, everything, exactly the same. We just happened to hit a setup that worked. Engine was terrible. So I kept pressing uh, Peter Giles have promoters have the engine rebuilt. Let me call him. It's almost ready. I said, get up there and get it. And we're going to put it in this car. I can win with, I can't win with Bud's engine, but I can right. win with it. So he went and got it. Bud wasn't at the racetrack. I don't know. He didn't, he didn't go to all of them, but uh, so we put that engine in and went out. Well, the race rained out on Sunday again. Wow. Race on Monday. I won that race with the same car and the same engine. Wow, amazing. And Bud was so mad because it, you could have won with my engine. I mean, he was so mad. He took the engine and took it apart. And, uh, he, you know, of course, he learned how it was going. Right. So and, but he rebuilt it. It blew up. But in, in wow. the process, he, he learned how to make his engine better. So then we started running his engines. And I won his last race uh, in, uh, at Sears Point, a road course. With, they had his engine in it. So, but I had, and I love Bud. He was such a great guy. And yeah. uh, they did a roast for him when he was retiring. And I went down to Spartansburg. And, and you know, I always kept trophies. And, right. Uh, I took the Sears Point trophy down and gave it to him. And told that story <laughs> that he wasn't there. <laughs> and uh, well, I, yeah, we went back to Martinsville. There's more to the story. I got so many stories. In Martinsville, after the first race we won, we had his engine in. We sat on a pole. Right. I show up at race morning, you know, they're setting the timing and stuff. And man, he's got right. a hammer and a screwdriver, boom, bang it. What the heck is he doing? Why well, he retarded the timing? I took off on the start. They all passed me before I got to turn one. I went around a track and go on the front stretch. I reached out and gave him the finger. <laughs> <laughs> I was so mad. We could have won so that race. Took, 
But he wow. took the touchdown. And it went run a little. Oh man! Oh, hey Jeff, what, hey, did he do that just to prove a point? I mean, nah, what was uh, he was he was scared. He was scared, and he didn't want his engine to break, so he took all this timing out. I apologize, and uh, sure. I gave him the trophy from the last race. He he won as a team owner, and uh, yeah, I love it. it. It was well, guys. We we got to move. You on. know, you get, you get you get excited, and you do stupid things, and absolutely. Well, so, guys, Jeff, one more question to you. I, I want I want to ask one more question. I know we're running late here. This is long, but uh, uh, so man, all these I mean, legendary heroes. I, it's amazing. I could listen. You know, our podcast only lasts for so long, but man, I could just listen to you for days. You had great stories and things that we read about. I mean, you you made you made what we're reading. You know, and. and uh, but uh, what is one of your regrets? If, if there was one, and you know, in, in a in a just an awesome career, you know, what, what one comes to mind? Uh, no, I, I don't have any regrets. Uh, I thank God for everything that's happened in my life, career, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because it right. makes you who you are. <clears throat> it makes you who you are. If everything's easy, guess what you are? You're a spoiled brat. Yeah. So I, I'm so glad that I had the ups and downs in my career. And uh, so I thank him every night for that. And uh, so no regrets. Uh, the the big, biggest regret that I have in my life is I made some bad investments and lost a lot of money. So I can't help people like I used to. I had a Make-A-Wish golf tournament for 14 years, raised lots of money for Make-A-Wish. Uh, but, you know, I stopped because other guys got – that was another first. I took the first little boy to a NASCAR race at Rockingham. A lady in Greensboro introduced me to Make-A-Wish, and uh, we, we're still great friends now. We used to go to hospitals. I'd dress up at Santa. She'd be Mrs. Claus and hand out gifts. But uh, it was an act of Congress, Congress to get this boy in, in a wheelchair and to, to the pit area. I saw, man, all my, we'll get in there. I'll wheel him down through there. All my buddies will come out and sign up. They all hid. It was, you know, back in those days, this was uh, the mid eighties, mid eighties. People were pretty intimidated by somebody in a wheelchair. And then a little guy, a little boy that was all, he had a shrinking disease. So he, he he couldn't talk very well. His mother couldn't understand him. But uh, so anyway, Richard came out and uh, Harry Gant and, uh, Oh, we got several autographs, you know, but some guys were hiding. They were, they just didn't know what to think. So we're, we're just sitting there in the pits and uh, chatting and uh, the little boy wanted to give me a hug. I bent down. He gave me a hug. I said, boy, you're strong like Superman. <laughs> so we're chatting some more. Now he, now he starts taking down his pants. I said, I asked him, see, I go to the bathroom. She bent down. No, no, he's all right. He was wearing underwear, Superman underwear. I wanted to show you. <laughs> because I said, you're strong like Superman. He had, yeah. I didn't know he had Superman. He sent me a pair. I still oh, got that, That's cool, man. That, that, so, man, Jeff, that is awesome. Man, is, cool. man, but, then, but then NASCAR opened up the pit, everything to, to make a wish. And, I mean, they're just great with make a wish now. And uh, so I, I got lots of stories that are, inspirational 
sad about that, but uh, well, Jeff, well, I've been blessed. I've been I blessed. love your stories, man. This is awesome. We have covered so much on here, Jeff. We're going to have to have you back on another time. We need to have you back for sure, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, for a thousand bucks, I'll come. <laughs> Dominic has <laughs> to, he'll pay me. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I'll send that check in the mail like how Gordon uh, did, yes. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's more. right. Guys, uh, a couple more things before we get out of here today. Uh, we want to go over our NASCAR news and notes of what's been happening in the world of racing this uh, past week. Dominic, what do we got going on? Every week on this show, we take a look at your top NASCAR news and headlines, and we like to get everybody's reaction to what's been going on in the industry. And we've had a lot of celebrities kind of dip their toes in the pool when it comes to NASCAR ownership, and Pitbull is no different. Pitbull has teamed up with Justin Marks and his Cup Series efforts with the track house Motorsports. They're filling the car for Daniel Suarez, and it was announced last week that he would be involved with the team. So add him and Michael Jordan to the list of some of these guys that are coming into the sport over the offseason. Guys, it's, I don't care what happens. It's tough to meet the Mike, beat the Michael Jordan and Hamlin story. That's that's huge. It's huge. You know, the, the story, I watched the Chili Bowl. Who watched the Chili Bowl last week? Oh, yeah, I did. I loved it. It was so cool that he won. Yeah, I mean, no so doubt about cool. it. Yeah, I, I'm going to go there next year. I've never been there, but I've got to go. My brother Brett was there for a while, and uh, and his son works on one of the cars. But uh, what a what a event! My gosh! Oh, well, unbelievable! I, I hated to see Christopher Bell flip right there with the lap yeah. and a half, two laps to go, because I thought that yeah. he, you know, he was catching Kyle. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. Uh, yeah. but anyway, what what an event, Jeff! You're right, man. The Chili Bowl, unbelievable. Yeah, great job by uh, Kyle Larson to win that again. And uh, I think that we're going to continue to see for a while. Larson and Bell go back and forth for that Chili Bowl championship. That's in my hometown. They've done a terrific job there in Tulsa with the Chili Bowl to make that a great experience the last few years. But as far as Pitbull goes, going to NASCAR, another big name. You know, he calls himself Mr. Worldwide. Dominic, I heard him say that Pitbull is – that – you know, it, it's bigger than the sport. It's it's a culture. This is a cultural thing that uh, that he's bringing down. Absolutely, and I can attest mm-hmm. to that. When I was at the last normal NASCAR race week in Phoenix in March of last year, he was there shooting a promo with NBC and just mm-hmm. walking up and down pit road, and everybody was just kind of gravitating towards him. But himself, you could just tell he was immersed in the NASCAR culture and just enjoying yeah. the race. I want to see Blake <laughs> Shelton was there too, doing a little bit of stuff with all this. He it loves was really racing. Cool yeah, to see a lot of these guys who were very popular in other industries coming into NASCAR and just really being a part of the culture. I He's started a- that too, you know. You tell he was enjoying I, I started that. I started that too, the country music stars getting involved. I'm that guy. Right. Yeah, you Tucker. know how. You know how, right? How, Jeff? Well, I, I went out with Tanya Tucker for a while. After my divorce, I was a mess. <laughs> Tanya helped me get through it. She's really a great person. What a talent. We went over to uh, – uh, Plant City and watched her sing this last year uh, during the uh, Strawberry Festival. Oh, she's uh, she still sings so good, and uh, but we're all good friends now. But yeah, she helped me through my divorce. So I, yeah, we had a lot of fun together. Hey, I remember you were at the racetrack with her. I just thought, man, is yeah. that cool? Jeff O'Dyes, Dave, Tanya Tucker. I just thought that. I mean, it was like couldn't believe that we were in the presence of that. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. wow, you know. She, she loved it. And, you know, back then she had a Tangent Tucker salsa. And we had that on the side of the truck in the yeah. car and everything else. And, uh, yeah, we just had a great time. With her. Dominic, what, a great- Dominic, what else we uh, we got, man? 
Sure. Last thing before we get to the next segment, it seemed like there was a big news dump earlier this week with who, kind of filling those gaps in on the NASCAR silly season, at least with the Cup Series side. Some of the things that were announced, James Davison going to be running majority of the Cup Series schedule, but a lot with the Daytona 500. Joey Gates will be filling an entry with Rick Ware Racing full-time, same as Josh Balicki. Right. Mm-hmm. Ty Dillon's doing a one-race deal there with Gaunt Brothers Racing to run the 500. And perhaps maybe the most notable, I think, personally, is that Derek Cope will be running the Daytona 500 as a guaranteed entry. Wow. You know, Jeff, wow. I think we kind of joked a little bit about it, too, because I had a couple people reach out to me and say, hey, we heard a Daytona 500 champion is going to be running in a guaranteed ride. Is it Jeff? But, hey, we have the answer now that's Derek Cope. Well, no, no, Derek no. Cope, yeah. Dom, you forgot about Jamie McMurray. That's right, Jamie McMurray, yeah. another former Daytona 500 winner who will also be fielding a car with Spire Motorsports. Yeah. See, there was just such a big news dump this week. I knew I was going to forget something. So, David, <laughs> let, let me ask you, first off, uh, a lot of names in this Daytona 500, uh, from Derek Cope to Jamie McMurray to several others here, and there's only 40 spots. What do you make of uh, this Daytona 500 field? Man, I, I, you know, sitting here with former winner 1986, Daytona 500 winner, I mean, like, like Jeff was saying, you know, uh, to, to come into NASCAR and win the Daytona, Daytona 500. That's that's the Super Bowl of our sport, and uh, I, I mean we're just seeing how powerful that one race is. Jamie McMurray's coming out of his retirement, coming out of the booth to jump back in the car to try to make the Daytona 500. Just all the people you're talking about. I mean, when you win that race, I mean you, you become somebody big in the world. I mean, that's that's our biggest yeah. race, you know what I mean? And uh, today, and it's to share with you. Today it's huge, and you know, in 2000, after my crash, and in, in 2000, 2002, I almost won the race again. I finished third. Uh, I was going to win. They had that late caution, and I hit some debris that when Sterling hit uh, Gordon, so uh, that slowed us down. Yeah. But the Mikasuki car, uh, yeah, James and, car, and I've had seconds, thirds there, and uh, won the uh, Bud shootout. Bush Clash, one IROC race there, uh, one late model races there. So I've been very fortunate at that track in qualifying races. And uh, yeah, it's that. I think I saw an interview with Dale Jr. the other day, and he said, Man, it's so hard to win that race. And it is, still is getting worse because you know they're going to wreck. Look how long it, look how long it took Earnhardt, Jeff. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, you were, I mean, you, you, like you said earlier, you, you were, you were, uh, you got your win early in your career, so that was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. It took Earnhardt—I don't know if it was 20 years or 19 years—I don't remember. But uh, mm-hmm. it, like you said, that's a tough one to win. You know what I mean? You it look is. at Richard Petty; yeah. he's won it seven times. I mean, that—that's just unbelievable. You know what I mean? Yeah. So absolutely. But you know, in different eras of, of racing, you know, back in those days, he was greatest. Then Yarbrough and Alice came along; they were great. Pearson. Don't forget oh. him. He had an he had an era of racing that was good. Right. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of guys. Then Earnhardt and uh, Gordon and Jimmy Johnson and uh, who's going to be the next? Didn't, you know, like, so people. Didn't people have, you know what I mean? Kyle Busch. Well, yeah, yeah. Kyle Busch. People say who's the best driver ever? Ever. You can't say it because Different in their errors. time period they were the best, but then they moved on and somebody else became the best. So. Uh, it's hard to say Richard Petty isn't, but his era was completely different yeah. than what's going on yeah. in the modern era. Right. Uh, right. He's still my hero. I still love the guy. He's a great he's awesome. <laughs> he's a great Richard's the best. Guys, before we get out of here today, time for our 
Ask David segment. We ask you to submit questions to us on Facebook, Twitter, and via email. You can send them to davidstarpodcast@gmail.com or on those social media channels. And uh, we got a couple questions for both David and Jeff. And uh, this one's from Matthew on Facebook. Uh, this one's for Jeff. He writes, uh, Jeff, after your success early in your career at Hendrick and Chevrolet's, and then also winning races and having success later on in Fords, do you consider yourself a Chevy or a Ford guy? What are you, Jeff? A Chevy or a Ford? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> well, I'm a fortunate guy. This would be in a book, too. I drove, <laughs> no, I drove an Oldsmobile. I drove a Pontiac. I drove Chevrolet. I drove Ford. I've driven uh, Toyota. What else is out there that I haven't mentioned? Buick. Oh, right. Buick. I've driven every brand of car that's been in NASCAR. I don't know if anyone else can say that. Probably can, but I, that's that's pretty cool. All right. Absolutely. So, which is the best? I don't. I'm, I'm a. What, what do you call somebody that does a little bit of everything? An outlaw. I'm an outlaw. <laughs> You're the Jeff of all trades. Glad for the opportunity at the time, right, Jeff? It didn't matter if it was Chevrolet, Ford, Dodge. You were just glad. And, and look what you did. You put them all in victory lane. Oh, so, I drove right? Dodge, too. Yeah, I drove a yeah. Dodge, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I love them. But, yeah. Another question for David. Let's, uh, let's get to another it's David. Question. No, I got a question for Dave. David, did you really cheer for me when you were not racing? I mean, I, I, you I cheered did. for Earnhardt, didn't you? You cheered no, for. I mean, uh, uh, I, I, you know, you know what? Probably, probably Terry Labonte. He's from Texas. I, I did. I, here's my three guys. Just so you know this, you know what I mean. And not that you're on our podcast, but Jeff Bodine, Morgan Shepherd, and Terry Labonte. You know what right. I mean? I, I'd like Jeff Bodine. I, I just remember seeing you. You know, and it, and it was like you and Earnhardt. You know, y'all were always the guys up front. And I like Morgan Shepard because I, I like that name. And I and Morgan was driving for different people all the time. So I kind of like right. the name Morgan Shepard. And, and he was good. You know, he, right. he, he ran was. some great cars, won some races. I don't think he won as many cup races as you did, but uh, he was good. And then, obviously, I, I love Terry because Terry was from Texas, from Corpus Christi. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, my, my, my two heroes, A.J. Foyt and Richard Petty, you know what I mean? They're my oh. heroes. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. Uh, one more question for you. This one's on Twitter from uh, Tom McDonald at Tom5576. Tom writes, what is Mr. Bodine doing nowadays? <laughs> well, right now I'm sitting in the living room talking to everybody, uh, and I appreciate that. Uh, you know, David, you probably get the same. Every day I get mail to sign those little cards. Yeah. And every day people still send them. And I, I want to say, don't you know I'm not racing anymore? But people <laughs> keep sending them. And, and uh, I had a, uh, you know, celebrities are, are obligated to an autograph for a fan. But then you get 10 or 20 of these cards. So this was a long time ago, back when I was doing the Make-A-Wish golf tournaments, I came up with an idea. I'll give you one, but every other autograph is five bucks or whatever you want to give. And all that money's gone to Make-A-Wish. And they still send me checks that go to Make-A-Wish. It's amazing. I mean, yeah, thank you, right. fans. You're so, you're yeah. so, never had anyone say, man, you're, that's bad. You're, that's nasty. They all do it. And never a complaint, never a complaint. So that's how did I, where did I go with that? What were you asking me? 
<laughs> it was asking what you're doing nowadays. Oh, yeah. So I signed autographs. Uh, I was involved in a Honda motorcycle store down here in Melbourne, but I, I got out of that. Uh, I have a bad lower back. I can't uh, – actually, I just had injections yesterday. Uh, it hurts if I bounce around, so I don't ride motorcycles anymore. Uh, so I'm not involved in that. Uh, do a lot of charity stuff, like coming up to uh, charity for uh, suicide prevention. Um, when they bring the uh, Vietnam Wall in, uh, we go up there. We I, I have a bobsled. I have the first bobsled we built. Wow. I have a. Tra- it's in a trailer, beautiful trailer, trailer trailer I built for me, and it's the first one. It rates in Lillehammer, in Norway. So we take that bobsled to these events, all, any event. We go to high schools and, and whatever. We let people get in and take pictures. <clears throat> they love it. At first, I'd say, get in, get oh, I don't know. Well, as soon as one person goes in, then they all want to get in. You're all <laughs> shocked. But most people have never seen a bobsled in person, so they love it. So we do a lot of that. Uh, uh, I have some great friends down here. I uh, do a little fishing maybe it's been a little, the water's been rough, so we haven't been out. Uh, so I just enjoy life. You know, my wife's in real estate, uh, Cola banker. So if you're going to move down here, I drive her around so we get around quick. <laughs> hey, I'm glad somebody laughed at that. Yeah, thanks, David. So, yeah. if, so Jeff, if that, that's awesome. If they want to buy a house, come see you guys. They're going to get a heck of a ride, and they're going to get an awesome house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like right. that. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's man, Jeff, it's what an honor, man. What an honor to have you on our podcast. I mean, you just done so much. And you know, the cool thing about Jeff O'Dine, you know, you're, you're, you know, NASCAR came out, I don't know, seven, eight, might've been 10 years ago. The fittest greatest drivers ever in our sport. And I don't know what number you are, but I know you're in that group, Jeff. And, and what an honor that is But to have you on our podcast and to, and just as much and, and to hear your stories and listen to you, just as being an awesome and legend in our NASCAR industry, it sounds like you're just a, you're, you're just an awesome person. You know, the things you do for charities and, and the things you've done for different people. I just, uh, and, and your relationship with the Lord, it's just, uh, man, what a, what an awesome life you've had, you know, and, uh, and continue to have. So it's, well, it's pretty well, cool. David, David, we're all people. I had a racer come up to me two years ago at Daytona. I said, and he's, he's well-known. He said, man, you're special. So what are you talking about? Man, all the stuff you've done, you're special. I said, I'm not special. No, you're special. We are arguing. I'm not special. I'm blessed. The Lord blessed me with opportunity, with talent, and, and just kept leading me. He's special. I'm not. I'm just the vessel that he used to do this. I'm a farm kid. How do you do this? Because he did it. He didn't, I didn't do it. He did it. And this, this driver kept saying, Oh, you're special. I said, well, unfortunately in this world, a lot of people think they're special. A lot of movie people, singers, not all, not all. There's a few bad ones. Our, our, our people in Washington, they think they're special and it's special. They're, they're, I don't want to say anything. (laughs) Go Trump. He should be. He should be our next president too. But so yeah, I'm just like anyone else. I've just been blessed. I get up in the morning, do the same things everyone does, even the Pope and the president, and we all yeah. do the same things. 
I'm, I'm not special and I don't want to be special. I just want to be a person that can being special is helping people with who you are, who you became, what you did. And yeah. that's what I like to do, but I'm not special. I'm just blessed. So yeah. I give all the credit to the Lord. You're a special blessed person. That's for sure, man. And thank, thank you for being on our podcast. And we all are. We yeah. all, we all have talents that God gives us, you know, and I started out sweeping the floor. I thought that was, I was pretty special. I got to sweep the floor, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you got humility. It's in the Bible. God wants you to be humble. And I am humble because I know who gave me all this. It was him, not me. Amen. And, and Jeff, can I, can I use that broom that you started out <laughs> sweeping the floors? Because I want to win the Daytona 500 sometime, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I think I wore uh, that broom time ago. <laughs> That's great. Guys, we got to run. Uh, yeah. Before we go, Dominic, what's going on on the racing experts this week? Board. Continuing to cover the news and happenings around our sport. So we'll continue to, to just stay on top of all that as well as giveaways on social media. So be sure to, to follow us on Facebook and especially on Twitter. We do a lot of stuff with merchandise and memorabilia. So make sure to, to be following us along to have your chance at winning some free NASCAR gear. That's great. And uh, David, we're just three weeks out from Daytona now. What are you doing here these uh, next few days as we're getting oh so close, man? Man, I've, I've just uh, can't sleep at night. You know, just got back from Kansas, was on the phone all day and just just trying to get to the point where, you know, hopefully we can announce a deal real soon. You know, so just, uh, you know, people have no idea of the stress and what's going on. But uh, just just like Jeff said, just blessed that I do have partners and great sponsors. And hopefully here in the next, you know, six, seven days, we'll be able to announce something for the, our 2001 NASCAR season. That's great. We're looking forward to it. We'll have that announcement here on Let's Go Racing. we got to put the checkered flag out on this episode of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. We want to thank Jeff O'Dine for joining us. As always, subscribe to Let's Go Racing. New episodes out each and every week on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, as well as the video version on YouTube. You can email us at davidstarpodcast.gmail.com. Also on social media, David Star Podcast on Facebook. Star Podcast on Twitter is where you can find us there. I'm Tyler Jones for David Star, Dominic Aragon, and our guest Jeff Bodine. We appreciate you coming. We'll see you next time here on Let's Go Race. So long, everybody.